0: What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and today we have my favorite video series we do every single season where I look at what happened on Sunday, contextualize those games, and bring to you guys my top 10 lessons learned, observations, uh, takeaways, whatever you want to call them, from the football that we just watched so that I can answer any of your questions, concerns, and just share my thoughts on the fantasy football landscape each and every single week. So we're going to go into my top 10 lessons learned for week one of the fantasy football season. As always, if you enjoy, make sure down below, subscribe, leave a like, let's go. Now I do just want to start this off. This is not a takeaway, but just a, a PSA, a disclaimer, if you will. Do not overreact to week one. Week one is important. It's a piece of the puzzle, but it is not the entire puzzle. Adam Harstad is one of the OGs in the fantasy football world. He has been doing this sort of study since 2010. Uh, He looked at it since 2017, uh, a couple days ago here, and he found that weeks one through four versus preseason ADP are about just as correlated to week five plus point per game as each other. So until we get past week four, The ADP from preseason is just as predictive as early season scoring. So, yes, week one happened. Yes, some players didn't smash. But it's not time to just throw out all of the work and research we did in the offseason. It is only week one. It is only one data point of the entire puzzle. Once we get to weeks four, week five, week six, you can completely throw out everything we did in the offseason. But we are not there just yet. Now, I also want to say an added caveat. Offenses were like we had football yesterday and that was really exciting but offenses were pretty terrible across the board uh kevin cole found that since 2001 when you look at week one scoring and offense epa per play and success rate are essentially just offensive efficiency statistics there since 2001 week one would be dead last in epa per play third to last in success rate so the offenses were just bad right there were a lot of teams out there like we're going to talk about them later but like the Bengals, it was just a down week for offenses i i really wouldn't get two over your skis if an offense we thought was going to be good didn't score a ton of points across the league everything was kind of sloppy now when we talk about our actual takeaways here the first up we have arthur smith chalking our fantasy season once again and the man of the hour is drake london who dropped a goose egg with just one target now this is someone we've been touting all offseason um and this one stings and it's not great but there are some things to think through here with this Falcons offense. First of all, Drake London had the fifth-highest target share among wide receivers last year for 29.4% of the Falcons' targets. Yesterday, he had a 5% target share. That is not going to hold. A rookie wide receiver with a 29% target share is absolutely insane. He command targets. He gets open. It just wasn't really a game script that lended itself to the passing game. They won 24-10. to It was never really in doubt here. It was a low-scoring, uh, pretty bad game from both sides. Uh, but again, like when we look at this Falcons offense, don't be spooked about the one target for Drake London. That's not the issue there. The issue is at the bottom of the targets column, 18. They had 18 pass attempts, which is really bad. Now, again, this wasn't a pa- this wasn't a game where where they had to pass the ball. And I will say as well, if that 29.4% target share from his rookie year was to carry over, Drake London would have had five targets yesterday, even in a low volume passing offense, which. Five targets for Drake London we can work with uh, as like a flex wide receiver three type of option. Now, they were the only team yesterday below 20 pass attempts with 18 pass attempts. I know we keep saying this with the Falcons. It's not going to hold. They're going to have to pass the ball more. But 18 pass attempts is not going to stick over an entire season. Uh, It's not great. But last year they had 24.4 pass attempts per game and were bottom three sub 20 is not going to hold even sub 25 likely won't hold it was just the matchup here now the glimmer of hope is that in more competitive game scripts we could see even with a low pass rate them pass the ball more because the thing the silver lining here with the falcons was their pace of play i don't know if anybody's really going to highlight this much but the falcons right so the the fastest pace of play teams yesterday patriots colts steelers Seahawks, Saints, Chargers, Falcons. The Falcons were the seventh fastest team in pace of play yesterday, even though they were winning for pretty much the entire second half, and they still weren't, you know, grinding the clock down and playing slow. They were actually playing fast. Last year, they were bottom five in pace of play. So even if this is a team that's not going to pass at a high rate, In more competitive game scripts, if they're actually going to play fast and play with tempo, then we could see a lot more pass attempts this year, and they could go from you know 24 pass attempts per game to 28, 29, 30. I think I think that by the end of the season, we're going to see them flirt more with that 30 pass attempts number than sub 20. Sub 20, there hasn't been a sub 20 pass attempt offense since pre 2000. This is not going to stick over an entire season. It sucks for right now, but I am optimistic with the pace of play and more competitive game strips to come. What I will say is it's not great for Drake London. I'm a little bit spooked on Drake London, but I wouldn't put him into like non-starter territory. He goes from a guy who is a top 24 wide receiver to now a boom bust wide receiver three that you can play in certain matchups with the upside to come back to wide receiver two, if this passing volume ever gets to a spot where we think it could be Uh, in the future now we talk about Kyle Pitts as someone else people are a little bit spooked on here uh, but the same sort of applies for him as well where this passing volume should regress to the mean of like I'm just trying to say 18 pass attempts is not going to hold over an entire season there's just no way it does Um, it's probably going to be more like 25 to 30 which means Pitts and Drake London should be startable Pitts in particular though a guy who's a tight end lower bar to clear every single week like our tight end ones this week were Hayden Hurst and uh, Hunter Henry with like what like 12 to 14 PPR points if Kyle Pitts you know three targets he had a great catch downfield uh I mean that was fine like it's not great in your tight end spot but you got like what six seven points out of it right now tight end is so awful that's not terrible he's an every week startable tight end to me and again I think that there's going to be more pass passes down the line where Kyle Pitts Kyle Pitts could get more involved I think he also had one another like 20 yard catch that was called back as well uh pitts i think there's better days ahead uh running 20 routes on 22 pass plays is also really really strong for kyle pitts where there were some times last year or even the preseason that he wasn't running a complete route participation 20 divided by 22 got to be like 90 percent plus that is really 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 strong stuff uh for a tight end now when we talk about the backfield split i think some people are going to be a little bit concerned about Bijan. Uh, with Algier scoring points. I mean, Algier scoring points is great for him. It's good for him. But like Bijan got everything we wanted. Uh, He had a 77% rapid stipulation. He led all running backs in the NFL with a 33.3% target share. Uh, He had a 65% snap share, which isn't like bell but it still would have been a top 10 number last year. And we know that volume increases as the year goes on for rookies. So I imagine that 65% could grow to 70% plus. Again, he was featured in the passing game. He scored a touchdown. He had over 20 PPR points. Like That's everything that we could have wanted uh, from Bijan Robinson. Now Algier was a little bit annoying where Algier had all four of the rush attempts inside the ten yard line. I don't think that that's going to stick over an entire year where they just like take out their best player in scoring position every single time, the Falcons. Is Algier going to be annoying on the goal line over the entire year? Yeah, right. Like Bijan could have had a, a monstrous like 30 point game here, but Bijan should still be a top three running back, 20 plus points per game, uh, over the entire season with or without Algier stealing anything on the goal line. And I think as the season goes on, he'll steal less and less. Uh, Algier himself, though, is a guy that, I mean, I don't know, if you have like a hero RB or zero RB teams, he's kind of not a desperation RB3, but he's like a boom-bust RB3 you can throw out there and hope he scores a touchdown uh, sort of in the similar fashion that he did today. Now, when we talk about the other side of this game, we might as well sort of cover the uh, Panthers here where – 60 40 split for Miles Sanders isn't great, but he did get a ton of volume. He had 18 carries. He had five targets. I will say, I don't love the snap share, um, but he was featured when in the game. So to me, he's like a fine RB2. He had like 12 to 13 points, which isn't great on like 20 plus touches, but it was a sort of a brutal uh, game script for him. Uh, My only concern season long would be, again, his upside, which is what we were always concerned about, right? He had 20 plus touches and couldn't even hit 15 points here. And then. You're not just going to get this level of volume of 20-plus touches per game if your team's not winning and you aren't being efficient with those touches. So volume isn't exactly promised over an entire season. I could see a world where this sort of role and volume dwindles for him, which would be my only like small concern for Miles Sanders. And I think uh, Noah Hills actually articulates it well. He says... Uh, since his rookie year, Miles Sanders has averaged 3.9 yards per target among 70 running backs with 15 plus targets last season. 3.9 would have ranked 63rd. Sanders actually ranked 70th in that group last season with three yards per target. He averaged 4.3 yesterday, which would have been 55th last season. Expected fantasy points are great, or you know, expected fantasy points are just volume based on your carries and targets. Uh, if the player is good enough to get what you expect, maybe things will turn around for him in 2023, but Miles Sanders has not been good enough to get what you expect in any of the last three seasons. So what he's saying is that it wouldn't shock me if this passing roll of five targets that he had yesterday sort of dwindles as he's not really doing a ton with those targets, right? They were kind of empty targets uh, on his bottom line there. So that would be the only concern with Miles Sanders is just over an entire season, uh, will they keep featuring him despite not really being super efficient uh, with those touches? Now, our second takeaway here is where did DeAndre Swift go? Now, a lot of people are very concerned with DeAndre Swift and rightfully so. The big storyline is DeAndre Swift had a brutal week one roll. He had one rush attempt. He had two targets. He had 1.3 PPR points, a 28% snap share. He had 25% of the long down and distance snaps. He had 0% of the short yardage snaps. Just not good at all. Not startable. Only a quarter of the snaps, really. Uh, and DeAndre Swift, this is the, sort of the take with him. He is not startable until further notice. You do not put him in your lineup until further notice. But I wouldn't, I, like, he's not a guy you, you obviously, you don't drop him. And he's not a guy that I would completely rule out as the season goes on. The The entire thesis with DeAndre Swift, we made, a, we made a whole video on him, is that if it comes down to him versus Kenneth Gainwell over an entire season, I am going to bet on DeAndre Swift every single time. Now, we knew Kenneth Gainwell had the seniority here. He had been with the team longer. He is going to get the nod early on. And that's what happened here. But it wouldn't shock me at all if DeAndre Swift over an entire year carved out a featured role here. Because Kenneth Gainwell, even in a game where he dominated the touches, he wasn't very good. This was on the best offense or behind the best offensive line in football. He had under four yards per carry. He had fourteen for fifty-four yards. Nothing really crazy there. Uh, he did have four targets, but he turned four targets into twenty yards. Nothing really crazy there. Um, and then he also had a negative rushing yards over expected here. And the Eagles, who had one hundred and forty-eight rushing yards per game last year, had just ninety-seven here in the opener. This is not how the Eagles want their rushing offense to look. is the main back for now, but until he posts a better stat line than 3.9 yards per carry and a negative rushing yards over expected, I'm not completely confident that this role sticks over an entire season. Now, the positive here is that for an offense historically that hasn't featured the running back in the passing game, they actually featured the running back a ton here uh, with a 23% target share for the running back position. This is from last year. We have 2022 Running back target share. You have Philadelphia all way on the bottom. This is a chart from J.J. Zacharyson. Uh, 12.1% target share to the running backs last year the Eagles had. This week, they went all the way up to 23.3%. And I don't think that that's going to stick over an entire year. But the Eagles being about like 20% in terms of their running back target share, I think would make a lot of sense. I think they're going to go from league bottom to probably more about league average, which opens the door where if DeAndre Swift ever actually beat out Gainwell, either for passing downs or between the tackles, DeAndre Swift could get a ton of targets that we didn't think previously was there. So to me, Gainwell at this point is an every week startable RB3. And rest of season, DeAndre Swift, you can't start him in your lineup. But I don't think it's completely over for DeAndre Swift. Now, on the other side of this game, uh, you also had Dallas Goddard in this game just be an absolute no-show. And that's just sort of what's going to happen in this offense. There's going to be no-shows. We weren't drafting Dallas Goddard for a reason. It's going to be really, really difficult for everybody in this passing offense to eat. I want to say A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith both had a 30% target share. Dallas Goddard as well in an offense where they run the QB sneak up in close and score touchdowns that way. It's going to be really tough for Dallas Goddard to pay off here. He is just a low-end tight end one, sort of like what you drafted him to be, but I would say he's closer to that in Joku, Friermuth, uh, Evan Ingram tier than he is to your you know uh, Kittle, Waller, uh, Hawkinson uh, tier with Dallas Goddard. Uh, unless if like, A.J. Brown or Devonta Smith were to get hurt. Uh, Now, on the other side of that game, I will say the Patriots looked great against a really, really, really good Eagles defense. The Patriots had 382 yards, which was fifth among all offenses yesterday. So on a day where offenses looked awful, the Patriots actually looked good. Uh, Hunter Henry's a tight end one rest of season. Kendrick Bourne did really well, but it's going to be tough to trust any of the wide receivers until we get sort of a bigger sample there. Uh, But just really optimistic on the entire Patriots offense like this went from a awful offense with uh, Matt Patricia as offensive coordinator to a serviceable offense or actually like probably above average offense with Bill O'Brien uh, there's going to be multiple fa- not fantasy studs but fantasy producers that come out of this Patriots offense that was pretty much free all of the offseason now our third takeaway is Brandon Ayuk put on an absolute master class And that kind of outshines how bad the Steelers were in this matchup. But I'm not all that spooked on the Steelers just yet here. They had an awful matchup against the 49ers. The 49ers' defense looked absolutely amazing. Uh, In long term, I kind of like this passing offense where they were the pass-heaviest team on Sunday in neutral situations. This is before the game got out of hand. They were passing the ball a lot. They had the third-fastest pace, right? If we look here... Uh, at their pace of play they had the third fastest pace which is exciting so they're if they're going to be up tempo and pass the ball a ton this is an offense we want pieces of especially when they're not playing a top three defense in the 49ers so I'm actually kind of bullish on the Steelers rest of season uh, I think Frymuth is going to be a fine tight end one all year Deontay Johnson should be a low end wide receiver two all year uh, assuming that he's going to be back and healthy I know that he left the game early the only one I'm sort of spooked on for the reasons we were spooked on him coming into the season, was George Pickens. Can he command targets? Just a 14.5% target per out run last year, really not good. In a game that Deontay Johnson left early, George Pickens ended up with a 14.5% target per out run. Now, of course, it's a one game sample where there were a lot of pass attempts, so that could sort of take down your target per out run, but I mean, he has to sort of show that he can command targets, or else you can't start 14.5% target per out run in your lineup every week. You just can't. Uh, so, George Pickens, he was drafted as a boom-bust wide receiver three. He's still a boom-bust wide receiver three. This was the game script that would work the most for George Pickens where Deontay goes down early and they do nothing but pass the ball the entire second half, uh, and it didn't really pay off. Now, for the running backs, my goodness, I would be sick to my stomach um, if I was taking Najee Harris in the third round like a lot of people were. 52% of the snaps here. Now, it was a negative game script where you had a lot of passing downs with Jalen Warren out there. They split passing downs though, right? Jalen Warren was out there for 9 of 18 uh, long down and distance. You had Najee out there for probably the other 9 or maybe like one of them went to McFarland. but it was pretty much a true like 55-45 split between Najee and Jalen Warren, which is really not what you want to see. Jalen Warren also had two of the three touches or three snaps inside of the 10-yard line. So just, I mean, you can start Najee in decent matchups, but he is probably a high-end RB3 at this point uh, for guys that drafted him as like their RB1. Uh, So Najee Harris... Really looking rough uh, moving forward if this is how the split is going to look. Now, we will talk about the uh, 49ers real quick, where Ayuk went crazy. People are asking, is, is this going to stick for Ayuk? Not to this degree, where he put up, you know, like 25 plus points, but Ayuk had a 28.6% target share here, which was good. Two touchdowns. He's not going to be an every week wide receiver one, but he's going to be a guy you need to start every week as like a wide receiver two uh, moving forward, which where you drafted him, that's actually a great outcome. Uh, for IUQ with like these massive, massive spike weeks uh, moving forward. I will say, everyone kind of won in this offense. If this passing offense stays at this concentrated and that 7.1% to everyone else can stay at 7.1% and not like shoot up, uh, you know, feeding guys like Jawan Jennings. And I'm trying to think of like who their uh, other rookie was that they drafted last year. But if that can just, I think it was Danny Gray, but if that could just stick all to their playmakers, right? 25% target share for Debo Samuel is what he's had. Each of the last two years, that'll work. 21% target share for George Kittle, just fine. 17.9% Christian McCaffrey target share, really, really good. So if that can all stick and things can stay this concentrated, everybody will be just fine. I know that Debo and Kittle didn't really have big days, but those target shares in more competitive games will be just fine. Uh, Our fourth takeaway is Christian is just wheels up for Travis Etienne here. Uh, The biggest question moving into the year was, can he catch passes in the NFL? Last year, he wasn't involved much at all in the passing game. Today, we got a massive, resounding yes. He had an 80% snap share, which is bell cow stuff for ETN, and he had a 15.6% target share, hit a career-high in target share, hit a career-high with five targets, was involved in the passing game, had a big run where he scored a touchdown. He ended up with 21.4 points. ETN is an every-week RB1 from here on out in a really good offense as pretty much the main back. Now, Tank Bigsby did vulture a goal-line score, it's going to be annoying, but we've talked about with all these offenses. Like, there's just it's just how it is in the modern NFL. You're not going to have all of the goal line carries. And Bigsby, I think, is honestly at at fault here to get moved down the depth chart uh, after the like weird DeForest Buckner fumble. He had a like, couple other bad plays. Things happen in the NFL. Uh, like Bigsby mixing in on the goal line is not going to stop ETN from crushing again. He had over 20 points in this game. Uh, wheels all the way up. Uh, on etn i will say in that same offense though christian kirk uh pretty concerning here where we were talking in the preseason christian kirk wasn't out there in two wide receiver sets which was a big big issue uh that carried over here and christian kirk this is a tweet from scott barrett christian kirk ran the fifth most routes in the nfl last year in week one he came off the field in two wide receiver sets and earned a route share of 68.6 percent if he had this sort of usage last season he goes from 1100 receiving yards to 800 receiving yards that's a huge huge downgrade you have to be on the field running routes to score points. And if you're going to be on the field for only like 70% of the routes, that's a big issue. He goes from someone that's like, was sort of a high-end wide receiver three to more of like a boom bust, like low, low low-end wide receiver three slash flex play here. And then we also have on the other side, Uh, Anthony Richardson's debut, which I thought was really good. I mean, he scored a touchdown on the ground. He scored a touchdown through the air. He had one bad interception at the end of the game. But, I mean, you're a rookie. That's sort of going to happen here. Um, But we should be bullish on how this offense looks. Like, we were sort of scared that they weren't going to be able to sustain drives. They were going to be slow and run heavy. I mean, this wasn't the case at all. Uh, In neutral pass rate here, they were what? I think that that's seventh in neutral pass rate uh, on on this chart to the left. They were the second fastest in pace of play. So they were passing the ball. They were getting to the line of scrimmage, which is good with Anthony Richardson, where... You want to play fast before the defense can kind of adjust and keep them on their heels and keep sort of running downhill at them. I mean, they almost won against a very good Jaguars team. Anthony Richardson crushed. Uh, Michael Pittman had a ton of targets. Like I think Michael Pittman is going to be like an every week wide receiver too uh, if this sort of volume sort of keeps up here. Everything's super exciting. Uh, I would love to see what this offense looks like with Jonathan Taylor. I don't know if Jonathan Taylor is going to play for the Colts this year, uh, but if you can add another dimension to this offense where they can actually run between the tackles, right? Deion Jackson was pretty awful. Uh this offense is kind of scary. Now what I will say, Richardson was the goal line guy. Uh he's to me like probably like a top six quarterback rest of the season, top eight. Um he was really, really good in terms of fantasy, in terms of like rushing and scoring. Um against again a defense that's pretty pretty good. Uh Andy Richardson, tons to love uh, about what he did yesterday. Uh moving forward. A takeaway I had was rain matters. <laughs> I know that that sounds like pretty weird, but rain does matter. Uh, if I can find the screenshot here, but this is what it is. If we look, I just simply sorted completion percentage for the quarterbacks yesterday. We had two rain games yesterday. We had the Cowboys and the Giants, and the Bengals and the Browns. I think we might have had one other rain game that I'm not thinking of, but these were the clear ones to me. And when we sort by completion percentage, Of the bottom seven, four of them were in rain games. Even Dak Prescott, who had a great game, under 50% of his passes were completed. That's way out of character for him. Joe Burrow was literally third. in, or No, he was second in completion percentage last year, Joe Burrow. He was dead last yesterday. The Bengals are going to be just fine, fellas. Jamar, T. Higgins, Joe Burrow, all fine. I'm not moving them down anywhere. They're going to be fine. Burrow was quite literally, again, second in completion percentage last year. Burrow and Chase both had over seven targets. One of Burrow's biggest knocks coming out where he had smaller hands. That's going to be sort of rough to deal with in the, in the rain. I expect the Bengals to bounce back and be just fine. Like, literally no concerns there for the Bengals. I wouldn't move them down. I wouldn't be scared about starting them. Just a weird game environment of rain, and that's not really inducive to a passing offense. Now we also have the Giants. The Giants didn't look great yesterday, but they actually looked fine. They came out, almost got a field goal in their first drive, blocked field goal, score touchdown for the Cowboys. Then they just sort of lose grip of that game from there. It got ugly, 40-0 loss, rain environment in that game. You had a top-three defense. Like It just wasn't great for the Giants' offense, but we've seen Dabble. Dabble was going to scheme an offense very good or very well um, and score points. I'm not all that concerned season long about the Giants. They're going to bounce back just fine. And, you know, Saquon had his usual bell cow treatment, and Darren Waller, had great great peripherals 42% target share which is just bonkers 86% round involvement this is in the first half before uh they got completely crushed they have a really nice get right game here they're going to be in Arizona versus the Cardinals I'm still starting all of my Giants in that game now at the halfway point here we have our sixth takeaway the rookie wide receiver report the world famous rookie wide receiver report here it is in all of its glory uh we'll move it right there now, I did minimum 10 routes run here for these wide receivers. I have their yards, targets, target per out run, yards per out run, PFF grade. And we look at this. There is a clear top three through week one with Zay Flowers at the top. Zay Flowers, I'm super impressed with. Um, super, super impressed with. He looked electric. The Ravens wanted to almost run their offense through him, where he was like this focal point, getting like gadget touches and manufactured touches. He looked really explosive. Zay Flowers, to me, rest of season wide receiver three at worst, uh, and the clear wide receiver one on a Ravens passing offense that should be exciting and should have better weeks to come here. Uh, Then you have Puka Nakua, I believe a day three guy. Uh, Tough to really trust that this, I'm not going to call it a fluke, but I, I don't think that these... I mean, fellas, we're talking about 40% target per out run 3.4 yards per out run 80 PFF grade. Those are all going to come down. Um, but, I mean, I'm very optimistic about what he looks like in an offense with Cooper Cup as, like, a fine wide receiver next to him. I, I, I don't know what the ceiling is on Puka Nakua, but I'm optimistic, right? I'm interested. like he Like, that is insane what he did. 14 targets in his debut, 119 yards. That's all really, really impressive. Um... But I would like to see a bigger sample before I just like call Puka Nakua the, be- the next star, right? Um, but really, really strong sewing. Someone that should be rostered on any dynasty team, every redraft team. You know, pick him up, scoop him, and then we'll kind of see what this looks like moving forward. And you have Rashi Rice, who I think was sort of underrated uh, on that Thursday night game, but he's the only Chiefs wide receiver that actually has size where he's like over six foot, over 200 pounds, is like a true X wide receiver. Um and he looks he reminds me a ton of kind of what Ayuk did, uh as a rookie. Now again we're not expecting forty one point seven percent target per run to stick here, but he was the only Chiefs pass catcher that looked good, uh in that game. Five targets on twelve routes is actually really really strong. Rashi Rice to me is a massive buy as like the only KC pass catcher that looked good, uh and is probably going to get more routes more playing time. As we go on here, then we have more of like the first round guys where like Jordan Addison looked fine. He scored that one touchdown. Good yards sprout run. Good target proud run there. Uh, Quentin Johnson and JSN. Both didn't run a ton of routes. Uh, they commanded targets, though. They just weren't efficient. Need more, you know, sample playing time, all of that to really have a complete take on those guys. Then we have some lower-profile guys. You have your uh, Jaden Reed, who actually looked great in like a little part-time role here. 25% target-prout run, 2.4 yards per run. Jaden Reed, someone to really look at or uh, keep close attention to these next few weeks. Uh, Tank Dell was, like, fine. You know, over 1 yards per out run, 4th high is PFF grade. Uh, by the way, this whole chart is sorted by PFF grade. I'm not sure if that's clear or not. Uh, not enough data, really, to be out or in on John Mingo at this point or Marvin Mims. Marvin Mims' 20% target-prout run is interesting, but... Also, just 10, tar- 10 routes, 9 yards, nothing really crazy there. Uh, Michael Wilson, full-time wide receiver, but that's about it, right? We're looking at like 12.9% target per run, under 1 yards per run, not great. Um, and then we also had some surprising amount of participation in terms of routes. Demario Douglas ran a ton of routes. Um, so did Josh Downs, who we thought that this offense was going to be a lot more 12 personnel. Josh Don's not, Downs not really playing a ton in that scenario. But again, we talked about with Anthony Richardson... They passed the ball and spread it out a lot more than we thought, the Colts. So that's actually really, really encouraging moving forward. And then Keyshawn Boutte, I mean, he had zero yards, but he did lead all rookie wide receivers with 43 rounds. So Boutte's in the mix. We'll, we'll sort of see how that sticks. I mean, he did nothing with it, but uh, nonetheless, that is interesting. Now, our seventh takeaway here is a little bit uh, – we're not going to do this every week, unless if you guys really want it to be a segment. But I think that there was some reasonable uh, – Storylines with the year two and three wide receivers that I wanted to touch on. So these are just guys in the last two draft classes, a little bit of a year two, three wide receiver roundup here. First up, we have Jahan Dotson. Didn't have a great day in the box score, but he led the uh, commanders in routes run and in targets. He should be fine in game sweeps where they're not, you know, beating the Cardinals at home. In more competitive game games where they're playing from behind, Jahan Dotson should be good to go. Uh, You also have the Browns here, where uh, Elijah Moore actually looked really good. He led this offense in routes run. He led this offense in targets. Uh, In games that aren't rained out, I think Elijah Moore is going to be a startable wide receiver three in those games, so that's actually really exciting. Uh, I think that I I saw somebody report that they had one snap out of a two-wide receiver set, uh, and I believe that it was Elijah Moore out there in the two-wide receiver set. So really exciting stuff with Elijah Moore. Uh, And then we also have Sky Moore here which I would be pretty spooked on. Uh, Ran the the second most routes, had the most snaps, three targets, one carry, had a goose egg, bunch of drops, just absolutely horrifying showing from Sky Moore. Uh, He's not someone you can start moving forward. He's like an upside wide receiver four, wide receiver five stash. Um, I actually like, uh, we talked about Rashi Rice. I like Rashi Rice a ton. And as bad as Kadarius Tony looked, five targets on 11 routes run, is really strong it seems like they want to feature him uh i'm not completely out on kadarius tony just yet because if his participation goes up and they play him more uh of course I what they just saw they're not going to want to play him more after he was so bad but you have to assume that this is a guy that they want to be a part of their offense just based on that usage so to me i am the most concerned on sky Moore, a little concerned on kadarius tony uh, super optimistic on what Rashi Rice could be, uh, down the stretch of the season. Now, we do have some Twitter blurbs I wanted to show as well, uh, for our year two and three guys. Where if we look here, uh, we have, uh, a JJ recent tweet. This one's about Rashad Bateman. Otto Beckham and Zay Flowers played well ahead of Rashad Bateman today. They were at 93 and 83% of the snaps, uh, while Bateman was at a 38% snap share. That is not great, but it is worth noting that, first of all, they didn't really have the pass in this game versus the Texans. Uh, Second of all, Rashad Bateman's like coming off an injury in the offseason where he sort of had a little bit of a ramp up with uh, Liz Frank and quarter zone shots. You cannot start Rashad Bateman moving forward. Um, but similar to DeAndre Swift, I'm optimistic rest of season that he can get on the field more Rashad Bateman. Uh, and we could see, you know, we could, we could see him overtake Odell Beckham. He had a better target per run than Odell Beckham. Like Rashad Bateman still had three targets on 38% of the, the routes or, or 38% of the snaps, which like isn't bad at all. Uh, we just need that role to expand a little bit. It's not great for him, though, that Zay Flowers is so clearly uh, the number one. It's pretty much going to be between him and Odell Beckham to get that number two spot. And that role probably is like a wide receiver three in fantasy. Um, so not great for Rashad Bateman. But the upside is still there. If they do bring him along slowly, if Odell Beckham kind of isn't that great as the wide receiver one in this offense and game where they actually had to pass the ball. Uh, Rashad Bateman spooked, uh, but not completely panicking just yet. Uh, Traylon Burks. Not great for Traylon Burks, but like not terrible. He he led the team in routes, uh, but he did have three targets to Hopkins thirteen and, and Westbrook Akine seven. The positive side is that the Titans actually passed the ball a ton yesterday, uh, even in their neutral setting. So that's interesting. Need Burks to command more targets than that, but we saw last year Burks can command targets. He had a decent target route run. I don't think that he is someone that's going to be. Uh, a wind sprinter cardio guy I think that those targets will come Uh, he also had I believe a uh, schemed end around handoff as well so we'll see what happens moving forward Traylon Burks Uh, and then Nico Collins was a monster Uh, he put up an okay fantasy week but he's gonna be like a startable wide receiver four flex play moving forward Nico Collins where uh, he had 11 targets which was fifth most among wide receivers 158 air yards which is third most among wide receivers 26% target share 61% air yardage uh, which is the clear-cut number one wide receiver for the Texans. I know Robert Woods did well, too, uh, but in a passing offense, it's not great. I would rather the guy who's getting downfields uh, in Nico Collins, year three guy, a little bit more upside there uh, as well. Now, moving on to our next point here, we have takeaway number eight, which is... This is what I wrote down for it. Geno Smith, pumpkin transformation jutsu. Um, really not good here. He... Shriveled up in the second half half. I think they had under 20 yards in the second half. The Rams defense got to him. Now, what I will say is over an entire season, I'm not fully panicked on Geno Smith just yet. The biggest concern, and we've talked about with Jacob Sanderson in the offseason, is that Geno Smith was not good for the entirety of his career. And then he had one really good year last year. So that is concerning. That that could have just been an outlier year, and now he's back to normal Geno. But what I will say is that he didn't have a perfect year last year. He had some down games last year. These NFC West guys play each other really close every single year. I'm open to the idea that this was a weird divisional game. And then also Geno Smith faced a ton of pressure um, as well, which I think is sort of underrated here, where he faced pressure. I believe uh, Rich Rebar has it. Yeah, so he had he was 13 of 18 with zero stacks taken on 19 dropbacks with both cross and Lucas in the game and then he was three of six for nine yards and two sacks once both were out of the game he was pressured on 50 percent of those dropbacks so his starting left tackle and right tackle didn't finish the game for him and that's obviously a big problem against Aaron Donald uh, he was pressured on 45 percent of his snaps yesterday which was fifth among all quarterbacks so he had a tough game against Aaron Donald a good defensive front uh, you would have liked to see him do a lot more against that secondary which isn't all that strong uh but i wouldn't i wouldn't say that he is pumpkin old Gino that we know and love just just yet uh the weapons are good metcalf still got home uh i think that there should be better days to come for this offense then our ninth takeaway here is that the chargers passing offense was way more run heavy than we ever expected this year they had the justin herbert had the second most pass attempts among all quarterbacks last year Kellen Moore in three of the last four years has been top 10 in pass attempts with the Cowboys. And then they come out here and they have 33 pass attempts to 40 rushes. And they have the lowest neutral pass rate in the league this week, lower than the Ravens, the Panthers, the Packers, and the Falcons. Not great. Uh, it downgrades across the board. You downgrade Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Like if Keenan Allen's a top 12 guy for you, he's probably now a wide receiver two. If Mike Williams is a wide receiver two, he's probably now a wide receiver three flex play if Quentin Johnson was a wide receiver three flex play he's probably now a stash wide receiver four it sucks Herbert's still a great quarterback it was a wonky game here uh versus the Dolphins we'll see how this plays out moving forward um but I think that this is going to be a much more I don't think they're going to be quite this they're not going to be league bottom in neutral pass rate but they're going to be much more balanced than we once thought which means like wheels up for Eckler Josh Kelly I don't know that Josh Kelly's going to have startable. I don't know that he's going to be startable every week, but he's definitely a guy who should be uh, on rosters and a guy that if Eckler ever went down, Kelly would be an absolute monster. And then also a guy that you can start in like really desperate spots and hope for a touchdown. Uh, But yeah, just a really weird game for the Chargers where we were expecting them to be very pass-heavy, and that just was not the case. Now, they did run a lot of plays, right? 73 plays total. Uh, We can see what their pace of play was, which I have to assume was high right? Chargers, yeah. So they're right in front of the Falcons. Six highest pace of play. So there's going to be a lot of plays in this offense, which is good to know. Uh, But the pass rate, you'd hope to be a little bit higher. Again, I don't think this is going to be a low volume pass attempt offense. I think it's just going to be a balanced offense instead of like a 700 plus pass attempt team, which just hurts the like crazy ceiling that they once had. But again, it is just one game versus a huge sample of data. So we'll see how this goes moving forward. Um, Chargers also have a pretty good offensive line um, if they so please uh, running something up you know, a more balanced sort of offense here. Now, the last thing that I want to go over are some of these like murky backfields. I'm calling this the murky backfield roundup here. Um, there's just a lot to go over. It's week one. I want to make sure I'm not leaving anything out. Uh, so I do want to clean up any of the backfields we didn't mention here. Uh, so we're going to go to uh, Dave Richards thread here. Shout out to him. I think he works for, I don't want to get this wrong. CBS Sports. Yeah, shout out Shout out to Dave Richard. Uh, we didn't talk about the Lions and Chiefs. Uh, so we'll just sort of go through any of the backfields we didn't cover here. Montgomery had the lion's share of everything inside the 10, passing down stuff. Gibbs had 27.5% of the snaps. Now, that's a little bit concerning, but I talked about this earlier in the week. If I had Jameer Gibbs, like, I'm still very bullish on him. He looked great, explosive when he had the ball. Montgomery had, like, 20-plus carries for, like, 70 yards. He did nothing all that crazy. He just scored touchdowns. This was the Lions' biggest game since they've made the playoffs with, like, Matthew Stafford, right? Opener versus the Chiefs in their place right at the chiefs uh arena or stadium whatever you want to call it and they had to win that game and when you're trying to beat mahomes you're not going to center your game plan around your rookie running back who has never played in an nfl game before so we draft rookies for their end of season role jameer gibbs snap share only goes up from here which is exciting for jameer gibbs he could get used in the passing game a lot more he was explosive on his touches uh i still really like gibbs moving forward Uh, Montgomery probably like an every week fringe RB2. Uh, Chiefs backfield having now a three-headed monster of Pacheco, McKinnon, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire is really bad. Pacheco and McKinnon were startable when it was just a two-headed backfield. Now that it's three, it's tough. McKinnon getting used in all of the high leverage spots inside the 10 and on passing downs. If I had to start one in a given week, it would probably be McKinnon. Because, again, high value touches. He's in there. Um, But, yeah, really not great for them. We've talked about Panthers and Falcons. Texans boone had nine snaps in the fourth quarter we wanted more work you know bell cow usage for damien pierce where he's used in uh, long down and distance situations but this was a weird game where things got out of hand again boone had nine snaps in the fourth quarter i would like to see what this looks like in a more competitive game script for pierce uh but not great for him where this is like committee back usage uh you need something to bounce back or he he's a like low end rb2 in this setup uh you have the ravens dobbins injury which is just absolutely brutal I don't regret being on Dobbins at all. Two years post ACL, he looked great out of the gate. He had like a 80% snap share. He was getting used on passing downs. He scored a touchdown. Coming out of the gate firing. Would have had a three-touchdown game here if he doesn't get hurt. And then he tears his Achilles two years after an ACL tear. I just feel nothing but sadness for the guy. Like I I really do hope um, he gets better. He makes some sort of comeback. But um, just really, really sad news, to be honest. Uh, Regardless, though, Justice Hill was used in the high leverage spots. Uh, and pretty much an even split with Gus Edwards. Melvin Gordon's going to be in the mix. We'll talk on the waiver Wire show later today, or either late tonight or early tomorrow morning. My preferred pickup would be Justice Hill, but I think this is going to be a pretty ugly committee here uh, for the Ravens. We talked through this game. I'm I'm not all spooked on Chubb yet. Weird game where Ford played 14 of 30 snaps in the fourth quarter. Uh, Mixing that 65% of the snaps is, like, fine, uh, but he's not going to be a bell cow. We already talked through Travion Williams and Chris Evans this offseason taking over the Samaj Pirine role, which they have. Uh, we talked through here. Deion Jackson's the guy to own for the Colts. He had, I think he had like over a 70% snap share, uh, but he wasn't very good with it. Rashad White was the bell cow here, but he also wasn't very efficient. He didn't really do much. We talked about it earlier with a guy like Miles Sanders. If you're not going to be efficient on your touches, those touches could start to slip away and start to go to Tucker or Chase Edmonds. We'll see. Uh, Madison, the bell cow there. Uh, If he didn't score a touchdown, it probably wouldn't have been a great game. Uh, But this was pretty much to be expected here. Titans was weird. Really weird. They had no goal line snaps. And J Spears out-snapped Derrick Henry. Now, I think J Spears took uh, a lot of his snaps in the fourth quarter or a good chunk of his snaps in the fourth quarter. But this came out of nowhere, where J Spears is like the passing down back, but also like change of pace. Henry still had a good amount of touches. But it's not great. Like Henry needs to play 65% or more of the snaps uh, to really pay off, like, that early second price tag. If I had Henry, now you can kind of panic. Like, Henry, I would be panicking on. I think that it probably gets to more, like, 55 to 60%. Uh, but Ty J Spears is not just a handcuff. He is very much in the mix here. Uh, Jamal Williams, main guy, we already sort of had that penciled in. Uh, we talked through these. Cardinals, we knew James Conner would be the bell cow, but in, like, a really brutal offense. I know people want Antonio Gibson takes... This was, I mean, we called it, this was a game script not for Antonio Gibson, where they were going to be up against the Cardinals at home the entire game. Uh, But I will say Brian Robinson ran more routes than we thought, had more targets than we thought. Uh, Antonio Gibson was the main passing down back. Uh, But Brian Robinson's definitely the the number one guy here as like a fringe RB2 option. Gibson, a guy that you probably play as like an RB3 uh, in passing down spots, or in passing down spots, I mean in games where they are not favored and have to play from behind. Uh, Raiders, we know Jacobs is going to be the bell cow. We knew this was going to be a pretty even split here. Jaleel McLaughlin might be uh, annoying. We'll see. I think that Javante probably gets more of these touches and snaps as the year goes on. Uh, Mostert, main guy with Ahmed uh, Akman behind him. That was to be expected. Here was very weird, where Josh Kelly played forty-five percent of the snaps, but like they ran the ball so much that Eckler still got home, and it wasn't a big issue. I don't think. Like I, I think, right? That we talked about it earlier, but thirty-three pass attempts to forty rush attempts. If that rush attempt number goes down to like 20 in a given game, I imagine that Josh Kelly's snap rate goes much lower than 45%. I think that they just bring him in uh, for the between the tackles work they don't want to give to Eckler. I, I, I wouldn't be super, super concerned just yet uh, on Eckler here. Then we have the Eagles. We talked through the Eagles. Patriots, Ramondre is the main guy. I mean, all the passing down work, all the inside the 10 work. Uh, Ramondre only had like 11 points or 12 points. Do not do not get spooked on Ramondre. This is a golden, golden roll. Uh, it was just a, you know, a tough game versus the uh, Patriots defense. A lot of the touchdowns went to, like, Kendrick Bourne and, like, other guys. Patriots are known, Bill Belichick is known to run the ball when they're in close. I wouldn't be too, too scared. Uh, Aaron Jones looked really good, and then he got hurt. So these you can kind of throw out. AJ Dillon, pretty much a top 15 option if Aaron Jones misses any time. Uh, I know some people are spooked on Cole Herbert. I would be. Under 50% of the snaps is really rough here. Uh but it is worth noting, like, some people are like, oh, but Roshan Johnson had, like, more snaps than Herbert or, like, more touches or something. Game got pretty out of hand in the fourth quarter. Through the first three quarters, Herbert was the main guy. But it is, like, this three-headed committee approach here with, like, Herbert and Roshan splitting uh, long down and distance stuff uh, with four minutes to goal line back. So none of them are really startable moving forward. If you have Khalil Herbert, you should definitely be a little bit spooked here. Um, if you have Cam Akers, you should be a little bit spooked here as well, where Cam Akers had over 20 rush attempts, but super ineffective, under 30 rushing yards on those, I believe. Uh, Kyron Williams is out there, was the passing down guy, got some of the inside the 10 work. Kyron Williams is probably going to be the main waiver wire pickup, and we'll definitely talk more in depth on him in the waiver wire video, but uh, Cam Akers, pretty brutal moving forward. Now, McVay does change up these committees and these backfields a ton, and like this won't hold over an entire season, but there is no allegiance to Cam Akers as like this lead bell cow back uh, in this backfield. Kenneth Walker, 65% of the, the snaps, that's fine. Uh, he did have five of nine of the passing down snaps, so that's actually huge for him uh, where he actually had – I want to say he had a good chunk of targets too. So Kenneth Walker, if he can catch passes this year, it wasn't a great uh, week for the offense, but four receptions um, is a lot more than I was expecting for Kenneth Walker in his debut Uh, or you know debut of the 2023 season so Kenneth Walker if this usage stays the same probably top 12 running back here Charbonnet 24% mixed in inside the 10 for Charbonnet to ever be someone that we really want to play or be excited about this 20% Dallas has to go to Charbonnet um, and Charbonnet has to be the guy on the four of nine uh, passing down snaps if he ever does sort of keep DJ Dallas off the field we'll see Uh, and then Pollard absolute bell cow usage absolute bell cow you should look at this 10 out of 12 on passing downs 8 out of 11 inside the 10 73 percent of the snaps beautiful beautiful stuff powered and Bijan. i mean we called them as our legendary running backs both hit over 20 points per game or both hit over 20 points in their first game this year really excited there um and then saquon still the 70 percent plus uh bell cow here uh nothing really to be concerned about again with the giants i think that they will bounce back here but that is going to do it for us today our top 10 lessons learned takeaways observations for fantasy football when it comes to week one i say that does it uh, i'd say that about does the trick um i do appreciate for you guys watching tuning in here again this is one of my favorite videos to get out i will say this is a little bit later than i usually like to get it out it's 3 45 p.m eastern right now usually i want to get these out by like 1 to 2 p.m eastern but the pff data did it took a while right to get the uh rookie report done like they were late on their data there um so we're going to get things locked in. Scheduling-wise, we're going to get things locked in in terms of like what I need to get done until the PFF stuff drops to the Rookie Wide Receiver Report and then get everything pushed out. So expect this, this is going to come out like more like 4.30 p.m. Eastern here. Expect this more like 2 p.m. Eastern next Monday. We're getting into the rhythm of things here. Again, sorry for a little bit of a later upload here. We're going to try and get this locked in, dialed in for next week. So with all that being said, I'm going to upload this video as soon as I possibly can. I appreciate you guys checking this out. As always, subscribe if you're new, leave a like, and I will see you guys... In the next one, it sounds like a stones like this froze ice cold. Oh, I saw my body.